If you decided to listen to this week's message of Daxadeo Fichard Park, we know that Jesus has placed something on your heart. So let's dive in. Well, from my side, I want to say welcome to each and every one of you to Daxadeo Fichard Park tonight. And uh, for the students, we have been waiting for you. We've been preparing for you, but it's now here. Welcome to Bloom. And uh, just to make you feel special tonight, we organized that your first week in Bloom had um, a power failure. Anyone experience that? Okay. How did, you, how did you get clean for tonight? Just asking for a friend. <laughs> but I smelled you as you walked in and everyone smelled all right. I have a few names that I'll address afterwards. I've got an incredible shower at home. So welcome to come and spend some time with me. My name is Eugene. I have the privilege of leading uh, the team that leads this church. And uh, what a blessing to have all of you here tonight. If you are a visitor in Bloom, you are studying here for a few years. Can you just wave at me quickly? You're not from Bloom, but you're here to study. We just want to welcome you. Come on, Bloomies. Give them a big round of applause. And... Uh, just to give you a, a quick idea, doxadeo means the glory of God. Doxa, the Greek word for glory. Deo, the Latin word for God. And we have a heart in this church to make God's glory known in every aspect of our city. We're not here to build a church. We are here to partner with you in, in discovering your purpose and your calling and making sure that you walk in that in the fullest regard that it can happen. And uh, you will see family on mission everywhere because that's who we, we is. Yes. We can't speak English in Bloom, but we have a great love for peoples. So we are a family on mission. And that just says that we believe in connection. We believe in real relationship. And we want you to come and join us this year and become part of this family to come and make new friendships, to come and partner on a spiritual level with regards to your discipleship with Jesus. I, I want to say boldly that this church will do you good this year if you come and connect with us. But we're not only family. Yes, we eat together a lot. Absolutely. Um, just look at the body type of most of us. Uh, we love eating. I mean, we love spending time together. Well, it's just me. I'm over 35, so deal with it. Anyway, but um, we love being family, but we're also on a mission. And friends, let me just put it out there. We're not on a mission to make this the best church in bloom. We're not building a brand. We are absolutely here for the mission of Jesus in our city. We want to make Him known, and we want to see people's lives transform in such a way that they become city changers in the hostels that they are in, that they become Carriers of God's glory and His message of grace in every aspect of society. That's what we're all about. So we are on a mission. We want to partner with you. If you're a student, if you are a young adult, if you are old like me, we want to partner with you to make sure that you discover who you are in Christ. That you discover the fullness of who are you, you are created to be on this planet and to go and live that out in your world. So... This is going to be incredible here if you join us for the first time tonight, and we're so glad to have you. We've got a function for all students 
afterwards. If you registered, you're going to eat with us. And uh, we are so excited to meet you and spend some time with you. I'm going to ask the crew quickly to send some clipboards around. We've got an incredible initiative that will be kicking off the um, last week of Feb, the first week of March. We call it Come Dine With Me. So how that works is, as a church, we want to be in each other's homes. We want to eat around the table, around, in a hostel, on a hostel floor. That's also fine. Um, uh, if you want to host someone at your place and, you know, um, wow them with your hot dogs and your two-minute noodles, you just mark there you want to be a host for the Come and Dine With Me process. And if you want to have a night off and just eat free food, you just tick, I want to be a guest. All right. Any students that are excited about that specific opportunity? And... Uh, we would love for the whole family to gather that week in each other's homes, be connected to one another, make good friendships. So please, the clipboards are going to go through, and you are welcome just to put your details on the clipboards. Are you ready for the word tonight? Just show me a shop. Yes, yes, yes. Awesome. Let's pray together. Lord, we are excited to be in your word. We've got a burning desire that you would come and minister to us tonight, Holy Spirit, and make your word alive in us, bring transformation in us, change us from the inside out, Lord. I know, God, that we are limited in our way to communicate it, but I know, Holy Spirit, that you would come and do an incredible work in us tonight. In Jesus' name, we pray that. And everyone says... Amen. Friends, we are in week three in our Come As You Are series. You've missed a few of it. Uh, if you've been here with us, it's incredible to walk this journey together. If you missed the first two weeks, you're welcome to go onto our website and just catch up. But tonight, we're in the third week. Uh, uh, next week, we're going to end the series. But here's the main thing, is that well-meaning people are communicating to a lot of us that you first have to sort your stuff out before you come to Christ. Well-meaning people are communicating in the world that you need to fix your life before you walk into a church. You have to act Christian. You have to dress Christian if there's something like that. You know, uh, have you ever wondered how, does, how do Christians dress? You know, this is seems like there's a way to dress if you're a Christian. You have to first do that. You have to, uh, you know, clean up your social media life. You have to clean up your private lives. And when that is fixed, then you can come to Jesus. Any one of you heard something like that in your life? My friend, here's the good news tonight. Jesus, his invitation to each and every person is this. Come as you are. Come as you are. Do you have those friends where they invite you to dinner or to your house and they just say, you know, come, I'll figure everything out. You don't have to, you know, put certain clothing on your body or, you, well, you have to, but not like specific kind of, you know. <laughs> you see, my English is very limited tonight, so I'm going to try my best. But here's the thing. We love it to be in each other's homes, to be, you know, for to just come as we are. Jesus extends that invitation to every person. Come as you are. You don't have to clean up your life. 
You don't have to figure everything out before you come to Him. You can come to Him. It's as if the Bible is saying, no perfect people allowed. Sorry. If you're perfect, join another church. They will probably, you mess them up there. But don't join this church if you're perfect. If you're just a human being in need of Jesus, this is the place for you. No perfect people allowed. And Jesus said it like this. Mark chapter 2 verse 17. Let's read it together. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus is in essence saying the following. Who, are, who of you are going to make a doctor's appointment? Those who are sick. I mean, imagine you come to a doctor's office. You sit there. You greet someone. Hi, Axferdi van Veritas. Hello. I'm here. Uh, what's wrong with you? You know? Uh, and Ferdi replies, no, I have a special problem that I'm not going to talk about. And what's your problem? And then the guy says, no, um, I don't have a problem. I'm just here to, you know, chill with the doctor. You know, I, I see it's a very expensive conversation, but I'm up for it. I'm a lonely person. Have you ever heard of someone like that? No. You go to a doctor when you have a problem that you can't fix with Bernardo and Medlemon. Jesus is saying the same thing. Come to me, all who are thirsty, and I will give you rest. That's the promise of Jesus. Come to me, Jesus says. Come and follow me. Come as you are. And I know for some of us, that sounds too good to be true. You're like, okay, I get that, Eugene. I can come as I am or come as I, I is, and then... When I'm there with Jesus, then <laughs> he's going to tell me the terms and conditions. Like, yes, you can come as you are, but let me just quickly tell you, you need to sort out your stuff, man. This and this and this. Get your behavior in order. Stop swearing. Stop smoking. Stop drinking. Stop clubbing. Stop this. You know, no, you have to figure out your sin very quickly if you want to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, you have to, you know, get the Christian thing going. You have to get the lingo, the Christianese. You have to start speaking about, I'm on a journey. And you have to, you know, start speaking like a Christian. This is a season that I'm going through, you know. And uh, you have to get your Christian going. The moment you meet Christ. We think like that. The problem with that, however, is the fact that that is only external change that happens. And the problem with external change, behavioral change, that all of us, we know that it's not sustainable. I mean, the people that do like proper diet programs, any dietitians here? Okay, are you afraid to put up your hand because you'll have customers or what? Any, like, personal trainers in the house? Anyone? Biokinetikus, I'll say. Just, um, you know, uh, online gymmers. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Seems like you can do 
all the occupations online these days. Here's the thing, friends. We all know that if you start with a certain behavior externally, you won't be able to sustain it. There needs to be a shift in your mind. You have to make a decision. Uh, you have to, you know, some people will tell you, get your will. You know, you have to get self-control and get your will going so that you can sustain this behavior. And it's as if some of us almost, you know, put that on our spiritual lives and we say, yes, I have to do the Christian thing now, but I know deep in my heart I won't sustain it and I'm unsure if I will be satisfied. Will I live a life of fullness when I come to Christ? You know, I've built my life around certain things, but now I'm not sure, you know, if that can work in the Christian life. So should I leave it? You know, but who am I going to be? You know, am I going to be empty? And I, I'm, am I going to be unsatisfied? And some of us are thinking to ourselves, when I come to Jesus, he must know that I'm hungry. I have needs. Like I have desires, people. And I hope and I trust that he can satisfy those desires and those needs of mine. And here's the crazy thing. Have you ever been invited <laughs> to a party or to a dinner invitation and you come there and you realize, no, it's not a dinner party. It's a coffee and cookies kind of thing. Anyone like that? And you come hungry to that place. It's my, one of my biggest fears in life. So what I've done now recently is I've got three boys. Uh, the one is six, the other one is three, and the smallest one is nine months. And they eat, people. It's not, they warned me that boys eat a lot when they are teenagers. But let me tell you, that freaking nine-month-year-old is like, nah, 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 open mouth all the time. So I have to stop before we go to guests at KFC or McDonald's and just get them each a little cheeseburger key, and myself, obviously, <laughs> to make sure that we don't come hungry because I don't want to embarrass, you know, be embarrassed. Tani acts hunger, you know. And the Tani is like, I've given you everything that I have, you know. But that's sometimes the way we think Christianity works. We come to Jesus, we're hungry, and we're not sure that he's going to be, you know, be able to satisfy me. You know, somewhere in our minds, we've made the conclusion that Christianity is all about starving our desires, you know, killing it. Here's the crazy thing. Jesus, I'm not at the ribs yet, but I'll show you now. I love ribs and I'm going to show you that now. But here's the thing. Jesus spoke about this issue many times in the scripture. And it's as if Jesus does not, you know, sweet talk or sugarcoat the thing. He's going for the kill, man. He addresses our hearts. Many times he, he was speaking to the people and saying, I'm discerning what you think and what you, you know, the motives of your heart. He would say, you that are stubborn of heart. He would say, it's the the biggest problem that we have is what comes out of our hearts, you know. He condemns people that praise God, but their hearts are far from Him. Why is Jesus so concerned about your heart? 
It's because of this. He was speaking into a specific context. The context of the Greco-Roman world. The Greek-Roman world. And they had a massive struggle between the mind and passions or the, the desires, you know. The Greco-Roman world, the main teaching of the Greeks were as follows. They would teach that if you want to achieve strength, you want to make it in life, you want courage, you want self-control, you want wisdom in life, the way to get to that kind of life is you have to submit your desires to your reason. In other words, you have to suppress your emotional brain and let your reasonable brain take over. For the medical people, you have to, you know, close the tap of the limbic system and open the tap of the prefrontal cortex. Sure. I had to Google very deep to get that. I just want to say. Like, like if you go in my Google history, it's like uh, PJ Masks, uh, uh, Peppa Pig. It's all of those things. And then this big, massive medical term there. I was Googling it for you guys. <laughs> they had the issue of how do, I, how do I, you know, become the best person in life? I need to suppress my desires and let my reasonable mind take over. You know, it's as if the modern day philosophers is actually saying the very opposite. The modern mindset is this, that we believe that our deepest passions or our deepest desires are who we really are. You don't you are not supposed to suppress it. You're not supposed to deny them. You, you should fight against anything that wants to steal you away from self-expression. Be yourself. Give expression to your deepest desires. Go with it. And I think sometimes many modern day people struggle with Christianity because of this. Because somehow we were programmed that Christianity is the denial of desires, the suppressing of desires, the starvation of desires. So therefore, I, I can't, you know, you know, merge my idea with who I am with what Jesus taught. And here's the truth tonight, friend. Jesus taught neither of these extremes. He did not, listen here, he did not teach that you have to suppress your desires and let the will and the reason take over in your life. And he did not teach that your desires should be the main thing about you. He had a much richer explanation for the problem of mankind. He speaks about the heart. You see, our problem is not the fact that our heart is in, in a war between something else. No, no, no. Between our minds or our thinking or whatever. Our problem is the fact that our hearts are pulled in so many different directions. The one day you are going for it in this direction and the next day you're not sure if that was the right direction. Then you want to go in this direction. Today you, you're trying this thing and tomorrow you're trying that thing. 
to, today you're listening to this person and the next day you're listening to that person. It's as if we struggle with the fact that our heart are pulled in so many different directions. That is the issue of mankind. You see, the Bible's definition of the heart is much richer. It speaks about our thinking, our will, our decisions, our plans. It's different to any human system with regards to what is on the inside of a man. The metaphor that the Bible used for the heart is this. It's the deepest desire. It's your deepest commitments. It's the thing that you trust in, love in, hope in, the treasures of the heart that captures your imagination. Those things come from the heart. And here's the crazy thought. Every heart has got a direction, an inclination that it goes after. Something that it loves. Something that it treasures. Something that it worships. You see, my friend, the heart of a man and a woman controls everything. That's scary. You see, what you love most, you will also find reasonable, desirable, and doable. What you treasure in your heart controls your very being, the outcome of your life. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 4 verse 23, it says the following, a word of wisdom, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Your whole life flows from the inclination of your heart. Listen here, Jesus did not come to preach behavior modification. You see, salvation in Christ is not to just align yourself with Christian behavior. Salvation is the transformation of your whole being and it starts in the heart. You see, change in the Christian perspective is much deeper than just thinking good thoughts. I know psychology explains our lives like this and there are incredible truths behind it. So don't hear that I'm saying psychology is wrong. It's actually very right. It says that if you want to transform your life, where do you start? You start, you start not with emotions, not with behavior. You start with thoughts. You transform your thoughts. It sounds like Romans 12. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul said it so many times in the Gospels. Take every thought captive and bring it under the obedience of Christ. It sounds like the truth and it is the truth, but something is missing. And it's the thing that drives the thoughts. Yo, but Eugene, that sounds like the, you know, when they split open the atom, which was the smallest thing. Now they got, you know, two smaller little things. <laughs> yo, <laughs> a human being is so freaking complex. And don't text your mom and say the pastor is saying freaking here in bloom. I'm not going to say it again. Okay, sorry. But deep down in each of us lies this, this place of what we love the most and what we worship, what we give our energy, our time, our treasures towards. It's the heart of the human. And the Bible 
has got an incredible picture when it comes to this. How do you get your life changed? You don't start with behavior. You start with the heart. Psalm 37 verse 4, David spoke many years before Jesus even came and he says the following, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. How many of us quoted that scripture somewhere on a Facebook post or a Facebook post on me? Sorry. Um, how many of you made a TikTok video on that scripture? How do you make videos of scriptures these days? Teach me, people. Teach me. How many of you use that scripture to explain the following? If you, you know, do the Christian thing, delight in the Lord, come to church, read your Bible, pray, be connected to a community group, give your money to the church, then God will do His part. I just need to do my part and then He will give you me the desires of my heart. I just need to put enough in and then I can subtract from God and say, Lord, I've done a few things. Now it's your part. Give me that desires. No, 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 no. It's not what the scripture says. The scripture is saying, he will give you the desires. Sure. He will give you new desires. Actually, a better translation would be delight in the Lord and he will give you a heart that is aligned with his desires for you. He will give you a new heart. He will give you a new direction. He will give you a new inclination for your life. You see, now we can go to the ribs. Take delight. When I hear the word delight, I mean, I want to see those ribs. <laughs> yeah, listen, on the screen. What my media means? I mean, that picture just sums up the light. Like, how do you eat a rib? With a knife and fork. People, we don't do that in bloom. Go back to your place. In bloom, we use our hands. And we don't stop until it's dry. That little bone. Anyone like me. I'm a savage on the inside like a Viking. I, I'm actually picturing in my mind as I eat the rib that I'm, I'm killing the pig. Oh, sorry, don't, don't call the SPCA, okay? <laughs> How do you delight? You like suck every little juice out of that thing. You enjoy it. You treasure it. I mean, in my younger days, there was a thing called the spur, eat as much as you can, rib special. They made a loss, people. <laughs> they didn't know that in South Africa, we can eat. Now I see they've taken away the burger special. I mean, how are we going to survive on a Monday night? That's what the light means. It's finding your full satisfaction in Christ. It's delighting in Him. Everything that you need, you turn your gaze towards Christ and say, Lord, I want to delight in You. I want to find my fulfillment in You. And then the Bible says, He will give you desires, new desires. You came to Christ with desires that are not good for you. 
you will leave from Christ with desires that is aligned with His heart for you. That is real transformation. It's the direction of our lives that change. The direction of our hearts. Trick question. How do you teach a lion to eat grass? Anyone? Have you ever watched a documentary on it? I mean, if, if I was a zoologist, where do you start? I mean, that's my thesis. How to teach a lion to eat grass. You know, I would start by just putting a small, like, piece of grass in his cage. And, you know, just show him the grass. Then I would, you know, just next to the carcasses of the animals that they slaughter for him, put next to that a piece of grass so that he can smell it. Then I would sneak some of the, you know, small you know, grass thingies, into the meat, you know, huh? I'm going to teach him now. Then I'm going to wrap his meat in a grass-like little basket. And hopefully, somewhere in this journey, he will start eating grass. You see, my thinking is flawed completely. How do you teach a lion to eat grass? You change him. You change his appetite. You change him into a zebra. I mean, how do you do that? <laughs> I'm not sure. Really. I googled that. Seems like no one has ever completed that. <laughs> you see, that is Christian transformation. We think that Christianity is teaching lions how to eat grass. You know, I have these desires within me. I have these inclinations and appetites within me. And now I have to be satisfied with what Christians give to me. But it's, it doesn't seem to satisfy. That's not Christianity. Christianity is the God of the universe. The God who gave His Son on a cross that paid for all of your bad desires. Coming into your life. Finding residence in your being. And changing your nature. Giving you a new heart. A new inclination. A new way to live. Let me quickly tell you about someone in the Bible that experienced that. His name was Peter. I love Peter. Any Peters here tonight? Peter or Peter? Anyone? Oh, thank you, Peter. <laughs> You know, Jesus called Peter in uh, Matthew chapter 4, Luke chapter 5. He called him where he was catching fish. Jesus came to him and he did a miracle there. He helped Peter to catch a miraculous number of fish that day. And then he said to Peter, come, come and follow me. Peter left everything, the family business, his reputation, and he followed Christ. From that day forward. But then we read a bit later that Peter had a terrible, terrible moment. The soldiers were there to, you know, capture Jesus. He cut off a guy's ear. <laughs> Jesus said, no, <laughs> Peter, uh, you got that wrong. Let me just put it back. I mean, this guy is like screaming and Jesus just put his ear back. 
the next verse we read that Peter, this rock, this giant in the faith, denies Jesus three times. And the Bible made it so clear. He says, a small lady came to him and asked him, aren't you with, aren't you with the guy that's now going to get killed? And Peter says, I do not know him. Three times. That must have been a devastating moment for Peter. What happened after that? Peter left. He wasn't even at the cross. He ran like a coward. Where did he run to? Back to the ocean to go and catch fish again. His failure was, in his mind, so final that he could never be reconciled to Jesus again. You see, what happened here? You see, just at the end of the book of John, we, we see this amazing moment of reconciliation between Jesus and Peter. Jesus again comes to the ocean. How many times have you been there? You tried to follow Christ. You messed up badly along the way. You just went back to your old life. Now Jesus is actually stepping in, coming to Peter there at the fish waters. And he does the same miracle. He catches a miraculous number of fish. Listen to this. John chapter 21 verse 11. It says, so Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to him, come and dine. None of the disciples did ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. <laughs> I can imagine Peter's face in that moment. You know, the one guy that he didn't want to see came to him, Jesus. By now, he knew that he was the son of God because he was alive again after they killed him. And Jesus did the same miracle. But do you see the difference in invitation? The first invitation was come and follow me. The second invitation is come and dine with me. Come and eat with me. What is happening here, friends? You see, Peter thought that following Jesus meant doing the Christian thing as good as you possibly can. Aligning your life with behaviors of, you know, you see what Jesus, he, he's doing a certain thing and you do it. You see what the other disciples are doing and you're doing it. You, you're mimicking the Christian life. But that didn't last very long. And Peter broke. And it is as if the Lord is saying to him, Peter, I'm coming back to where we started, but I'm changing the narrative of your life by saying before you try to engage in any Christian activity, just come and dine with me first. Come and eat with me. Come and get your life full of me. Come and get your heart renewed. Come and get your desires changed. Come and get delight in me before you try to fix your bad behavior. 
You see, Jesus did not teach external behavior modification. He did not teach Peter there. You know, Peter, listen, you, you screwed up like crazy. I'm going to just sort you out, going to clop you, give you a spiritual hiding, and then you better never do that again in my kingdom. Otherwise, you're not going to be the rock of this church. Can you imagine Jesus doing that? No. He did not tell Peter, listen here, you need to get rid of these desires, you know, submit your heart to Jesus, get your reason on, you know, your will, and, you know, suppress your behavior and suppress your desires. No, he did not tell Peter, just go with your desires, do whatever you like, just give in to who you are. No, he said to Peter, come and dine, come and eat. Come and experience communion with me. Come and experience relationship with me. Come and sit at my table. Let's eat together. Let's be together. Let's be friends together. Delight in me. Oh, Eugene, but, you know, just a disclaimer. Should I, should I then just not worry about my bad behavior? You know, my sinful behavior. You know, can I just, you know, go on with what I want to do, and then, you know, just come and, you know, delight in Jesus. Eating from that table, eating from this table. No, friend, that's not what I'm saying tonight. I'm not saying, you know, downplay your bad behavior. I'm saying, don't try and fix it yourself. Because if that was the way, then it should have been working by now. You know, suppress your desires, or Go for your desires. But every time you find yourself unsatisfied, feeling like a failure, going nowhere in life, what I'm saying is there's another way. Come and sit at the table of the king. Let him feed you. Let him change you. Let him come and give you a new heart and work from the inside out. Paul says, it's Christ in you that is the hope of glory. No longer I, but Christ that lives in me. He's saying, in essence, you can't do the Christian life. Just tell that to someone. You can't live the Christian life. No matter what you're trying. Why? Because Jesus wants to do it in you. You have to come and sit at his table, feast from him, eat from him. Let him come and do this transformation work within you. I want to read you a quote from a very, very incredible man in history called C.S. Lewis. He said the following with regards to this issue of our desires. He said the following, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong. Listen here. Look me in the eye, if you can. Your strong desires are not a problem for your God. Maybe your desires that He's put in you for love, affection, uh, aggression, whatever it is, is maybe in the wrong direction at the moment. That's why He wants to come and change your heart, so that that desire and that passion within you can be directed in the right direction. C.S. Lewis says, the Lord does not find our desires too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around 
with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go and making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. See, as Lewis is saying, friend, your problem is not your strong desire. It's actually that you settle for something less to satisfy your deep desires. I want to ask the worship guys just to join me on stage. We're going to respond in a minute. I don't know where you are tonight. Maybe you're a Peter. You say, Eugene, I've tried many times. I've, I've come to Christ. I've come to the Christian, do the Christian thing, but I've failed. I tried to suppress my desires. That didn't work. I tried to lean into my desires. That didn't work. It left me unfulfilled. It left me empty. Eugene, my heart is pulled in so many directions. At this moment even. I don't know where to turn. I don't know who to ask for help. My friend, here's the invitation. Come as you are. Come and dine with your king. Come and feast at his table. Come and be satisfied so that he can come and give you a new heart. Give you new desires. Will this be fixed tomorrow? No. He's journeying with us day by day, hour by hour, making us new. What can you do tonight? Nothing. I'm going to say it again. Yes, Eugene, but what can I do? Nothing. It's because you have the wrong perspective on Jesus that you're asking, what can you do? Nothing. He will do everything. Even the desire in your heart right now to say, Lord, I want to feast at your table. I want to dine with you. I want a new heart is not from you. It's His Spirit in you that's doing it right now. It's not your will. It's not emotion. The desire to have Jesus does not come from a sinful, broken human heart. It comes from His Spirit. All that you can do is to listen to His Spirit. To respond to Him. To say, Lord, I want to come and sit at Your table. Give me whatever You think is best for me. Give me a new heart, Lord. I want to feast at Your table. Maybe all of us can stand quickly. We're going to sing one last song for our night together. Maybe all eyes closed for a moment. If you are here tonight and you're saying, Lord, I feel this stirring in my heart that I'm settling to get my desires fulfilled. I'm settling for second best. 
Lord, I'm done with trying to live the Christian life. I don't want to, on an external level, be a Christian. I want to be, get my heart transformed. I want to get a new heart. I want to feast on you. I want to delight in you. If you're at that place, can I maybe quickly ask you while everyone's eyes are closed, just quickly raise your hand. I want to pray for you tonight. Just keep it there for one minute. Won't you pray with me and pray this prayer, Lord? I'm so excited to see what you want to do in me. God, I respond to your spirit. I respond to your word. And I say, yes. I want to come and dine with you. Lord, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you rose from the grave. And I want to, I want to go all in and follow you, Lord. Come and change me from the inside out. Thank you, Lord, for new life. In Jesus' name we pray that. Amen. What a message. If you feel that someone would benefit from this, share it with them. We are all about family on mission.